0: Check, 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 test it. Hi friends, welcome back. Todd Bluebaugh here. You are listening to the Blue Toddcast. I'm taking a break from the editing process to give you a short episode with my dear friend Michael Schmidt. Now I would have liked to have gotten more of this conversation, but... Michael was kind of hesitant to sit down and talk with me. He's just, he's just a humble dude. (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it. He doesn't like to be singled out. He doesn't feel like he likes to be this kind of guy who can't really take a compliment. Sorry, Michael, you just can't. But the thing is, we're all following your lead. Michael Schmidt, for those of you who are into motorcycles or motorcycle photography, if you don't know who this is, you need to back the fuck up because we are all emulating his lead. If there's anybody I need to give credit to in this little series of podcasting that I'm doing, it's him. He would kind of be, I guess, the best example I have of why I want to do this podcast is to revisit my influences who gave me direction and who encouraged me. And Michael's imagery, no matter what he's shooting, stands out. And bikes were a chapter in his life. And in my opinion, no one has done a better job than he and we're all following his lead whether we know it or not because i think his influence was so strong at a pivotal time that we were just we were just walking in his footsteps and I've, I just feel very lucky that he crossed paths with me out here in the desert and agreed to sit down a little while. And I just kind of turned the microphones on and set them in two different directions. The audio quality isn't that good, so I apologize. But this is a very meaningful conversation, though brief, that I was given with Michael. And we discuss um, 21 Days Under the Sky quite a bit what you don't realize is that 21 days and too far gone happened at the exact same time so while mike michael was shooting his film i was writing the book but we were both going across country at the time and before before the interview that you hear there was a great conversation that we had that the mic wasn't running on where we we talk about some of the overlap because I was supposed to meet up with those guys in the middle of the country. And I ended up staying there like a week later waiting for them. But alas, they had kind of discussed among themselves and didn't want anybody else joining the group, which was kind of a hard pill to swallow at the time because I had just wasted a week of my own trip. But it makes a lot of sense and there was never any hard feelings. Uh, But, michael cleared that up with me in the chair here literally 10 years later which was really interesting but just so you know that too far gone and 21 days happened the same summer and basically the same trip we were just one state away the whole time (laughs) and uh and that kind of puts things into perspective but i initially met michael on a shoot um after i had ridden down from seattle to los angeles and our friend troy was uh, originally supposed to be in this shoot but he didn't want to do it cuz he thought he was too old and i think he had mentioned uh to them hey my friend todd's in town and people in seattle used to get troy and i confused a lot i think both because our names started with t And we both rode motorcycles that were roughly the same shape. And for some reason, that was enough to confuse people. But anyway, uh, I ended up standing in for Troy on this little project. And that's how I got to meet Michael and a few other great friends. And that was really special. But that's when it kicked off this conversation about this cross-country ride. And I was headed to Nevada then to uh, Speed Week. And... We come to find out that Michael got a a week, maybe it was even longer than that, late start on 21 days due due to Kerpius' bike being lost in the mail uh, shipping. Anyway, he can tell that story. You'll hear it on here. But I just want you guys to know that Michael's been a huge influence on my work and a great friend. Um, Anything he's ever done has kind of turned to gold but he's always given it away and never really taken credit for it. And I don't know if that's intentional, but it just is what it is because he's usually off chasing the next experience and creating a new curve for all of us to follow. I can't even get into what he's doing now. The stuff that he's shown me is probably... I'll never reach that level. (laughs) It's pretty insane. But uh, hopefully you guys can um, see some of Michael's work, look him up beyond 21 days under the sky and figure out uh, the different layers of life that this guy has lived because it's really inspiring. You know, in, in another life, in his first round, he was an architect. And then a photographer... Um, there's a few different chapters in there I'm sure I missed, but now he's a, a great machinist and fabricator. Anyway, there's too many things Michael's been for me to talk about too little time, but I hope you enjoy this conversation because it means a lot to me. Thank you, Michael, for sitting down. I know you didn't want to. It really means a lot when people trust me enough with their time and with their words and all I want to do is get it right before we're gone. That's it. I, I'm i trying to... I'm trying to give the credit that's deserved to the people who have influenced me. And that's what this vehicle of a podcast is for. And there's too many people just taking and not enough people giving back. And I think, in my personal opinion, Michael has been victim to that because... He speaks softly and works really hard. And that's an easy target for people to shoot and take credit for. And I just, I don't like seeing that. So, yeah, do what you can. Give some back to. This is Michael Schmidt, everyone.
1: Buckle up. Can I see some of it? And his projectile's broken. He's like, no, I can't show it to you. you didn't have a ball of it or something. I like, oh man, it would be so cool to see this and to have some of it for the movie. And he's like, okay, I'll make you a deal. You can take all the film, guard it with your life. Yeah. Uh, you can transfer it onto. Him. So the deal was I would transfer it onto digital medium for him. So he would have it for his computer. And then I could use certain parts of it, like mostly writing stuff um, for the movie. and uh, the last But thing he I, wouldn't let you take it anyway. So the last thing he said, was that before I give this to you, you cannot take this to a commercial lab to get transferred, because they might call the cops. Oh, right. Because <laughs> there's
0: some stuff on there that's questionable. He was, a, he was uh, incriminating.
1: Yeah. Wow. So I was like, oh shit. (laughs) So I had to figure out, okay, well, how am I gonna fucking transfer this stuff? And so I took, I I think it was two or three different non-working eight millimeter projectors and made it into one working projector. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to have a thousand watt bulb in there because if anything got hung up, that bulb would get so hot, it, it would, would burn. It would melt the film. Right. So I didn't want to take that chance. So I took a f- uh, LED flashlight and lit it with that. Oh, yeah, those are bright as fuck, and don't yeah, no enough. heat. Yeah, no, there's no heat. And then I took my uh, digital movie camera, the the Black magic, and I projected the image onto the sensor, basically. That direct to the sensor. Yeah. No shit. How did you get your focus? Oh, could you look through the optics and know that it was focused? I had, I had a little Marshall monitor hooked up to my Blackmagic camera so I could see exactly. It's like I'm shooting something with the camera. That's a great way to do it.
0: Yeah. And then you had to
1: reverse it. Yeah. Uh,
0: ah, dude, that's a fucking good way to do that.
1: Yeah. So the, the challenge was, how do I... Projected without light leaks. So I had to make a fucking collar that took the projector lens and then the filming lens. I actually reversed the film lens so it would, instead of... Oh, it made it smaller? Yeah. So ah. it reduced it onto the... And onto the um, sensor. Sensor. So that probably actually made it sharper. It, it was a challenge to keep it in focus. So I had to actually watch all of it. Right. While I was doing it. It was like 13 hours. Wow. It was a lot. Dude, I don't think people
0: understand the undertaking you had in making that movie. Yeah, it was all just like, how do I invent this machine that makes this work? Not only did you invent the (laughs) machinery and scrub through the archival footage, because to me, the thing that really ties that trip together is the reference to the past, and with, like I was saying earlier, like it's the stuff that Fugle took the time to document Yeah, that's so special. And it kind of creates a sense of urgency for me to record this time. Because I really, I mean, I think it was one of the most special resurrections of a culture that I've ever seen. Oh, for sure, and uh, we got to live through it. But it's like you we're know, right there. We're
1: right there. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Right it's special, there. but it's it's gone already. So well, that's they, why I stopped documenting. But there are a few that are still, you know. I mean, of course, yeah.
0: But when when the gas is gone, and I'm all for electric vehicles, like it's fine. Like that, they're cool. Like I think there's like some real room for that. But this is the last of it. Because it's going to get too hard to do and too expensive to do. And we were right at the the confluence of what had been and what was about to happen
1: with our cameras at the fucking exact same time. Yeah. yeah. see, for, I stopped shooting because at first I got bored with it. There were too many people doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you remember when... I mean, I don't know how it was for you, but I remember when I first started shooting the motorcycle stuff, and I was using film cameras, you know, so, and I was shooting from the bike, and I remember getting my first riding shot, and I think we were riding to, Fuck, oh, I don't remember. you No, what? it was actually a dice, a dice shoot. uh uh-huh. Oh, there's a funny story there, too. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, to finish that thought, though. Yeah. I remember when I when I got my first roll of film developed with a writing shot, and I, I think it was either Kim Boyle or Jason Weber. And I was so stoked that I had a shot of somebody writing that looked like that kind of reminded me of the, the Danny Lyons bike riders. Yeah. It's like, you know, back then you looked at those books and you looked at those images like, oh my god, if I finally had a shot like that in my portfolio. <laughs> You know, that, that shot on the bridge where the guy's looking back. Yeah. You know? I mean iconic. Now it's so commonplace. It's yeah. like, yeah, it means nothing. Yeah. It's meaningless. That shot means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Anymore. It's it's gotten so washed out and washed down to to it has no more meaning. I ri- I write about that in my book. Yeah. Because I, I went to it's the a bridge. Fucking t-shirt. Yeah. 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 It's nothing. Yeah. And that's that's why it became boring and no longer interesting and also i can't blame them i mean yeah they were doing the same thing i was doing i was just there slightly before the rest yeah but also (sighs) and not that i invented anything i mean no we were all following danny lyon's example yeah yeah he was doing it in the fucking 60s yeah
0: and and those those references are so inspiring yeah but also i don't know i i just think there was a a time when the reasons for doing something were different, it's not because you had seen so much of it, you wanted to do it, it's because you felt it. It was like you with that first camera trying to figure out how to do the film thing, you were just feeling your way through it. You didn't see someone do it and want to do it. Didn't even know if it was possible. Didn't know if it was possible. You know, I traded my first, I got my first Harley in a trade. And there was this thing. It looked like alien technology. It had fucking push rods that looked like a car motor. I was used to like some some pretty modern bikes at the time. You John, know, I was yes, yeah. I was very into FCRs and, yeah. and sport bikes going thing. fast. And I'm like, what am I doing, trading for this fucking antique? Tracker. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the first time I popped a push rod tube on and I'm like, did I break it? You know, and. Uh, so I was working backwards, but I was feeling my way through it the entire time, yeah. and then it, it changed. It changed my life. Now I feel like there's so many references that people are just—it's like a mood board. They're living in a mood board and just emulating, emulating. They don't have—they don't feel their way through anything anymore. Yeah i don't mean to like i think everybody should explore anything they want but no, we're, of course but, that's what we did
1: but it's really it's really hard to find something that isn't already it's been overdone overdone well the thing is it, it's probably not been overdone any more than ever before it's just we get to see everybody's work now yeah that's which before it didn't exist i mean yeah there could have been everybody could have been shooting the same shit but you just didn't see it because there was no way to look at it that's also true it's a, a, an accessibility issue
0: yeah but going back to shooting off the bike that that was a, a special. that's a kind of specialized thing
1: but yeah you and I wasn't actually all that good, good at it because I was I don't know if it was I don't know what it was like there's there's people out there that are much better at that kind of stuff like Troy was much better at shooting from the bike, yeah, he was really good. Karpis was is insane. Yeah, I mean the shit he does on the bike with his camera is, I can't. There's yeah. no way I can't match that. Yeah, so I knew that from the beginning. I just I had my shot. I was like, okay, good. And then after that, I, if you go through all my old shots, it's mostly about people. It's never about the bikes. No, it of, was yeah. A lot, lot of people were. like even even Troy and and Kirpius, they always were more about the bikes. If I remember this correctly, I might be wrong.
0: No, Josh shot
1: a lot of flash photography with bikes.
0: Yeah, in in his portfolio, and I remember because I was I was you know I, I was stuck in the rain in Seattle working out of a garage, and then I had a day job running the studio at K two, and I would follow you guys. I lo- I knew everybody's work. Everybody's blog cuz I was so jealous they were, you know, shooting bikes. Yeah. And and I'm sitting here shooting fucking snowboard boots and when I got to do something exciting I'd fucking get frostbite, you know, I just didn't want to do it anymore. But your work was I don't know if Wild Honey was around at yeah, the it time. Was. Yeah, that it was Wild Honey. I mean, I I emulated that. I really tried to find in-between moments that were not they weren't placed yeah. there wasn't i didn't if there if i was using a flash or any type of strobe i didn't want anybody to see it and when i was looking at, at your work particularly your model work with you would you would shoot scarlet a lot oh, yeah, yeah. and it was like it was off moments so yeah. i was like dude that's what i want to fucking that's what i want to
1: do yeah that's that's because because i was shooting the fashion stuff before so i got really used to the shooting the models but you took that into the bike world. Because it transitioned beautifully. Because all you look at all the characters that, that existed, but around at, the bikes, that's where the interesting part was. It was. It was the people. But before
0: that, it was very much a shot of the bike. You had a source and it was like lighting the person in the bike and it was that. Yeah. That was the standard. And then
1: you were coming in, and I'm like, dude, was this from the fucking 70s? Just a snapshot? I <laughs> you know, I couldn't tell. Well, that's... You know where that came from? That came... It, this all just sort of happened simultaneously. Well... So I did that, that cover of Scarlet for, for DICE. I remember that. that. I shot that with the Mamiya RZ. I, yeah. Of okay. Mm-hmm. So Jen from Bandit Brand saw that, saw the DICE cover. And she's like, oh, my God, this is the guy I want to shoot, Bandit brand. Because she wanted a 70s look. Yeah. So she called me up after she saw that. And she's like, hey, if this T-shirt brand, I want you to shoot it. I saw the cover of dice, and this is the kind of feel that I want. Did she own Bandit Town at the time? No, 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 it was way before. Okay. So I honed I honed that, that look, that 70s kind of... Snapshot look by doing Bandit Brand. So I talked. I talked with her because she gave you the models and the yeah. She hired locations the and she hired the models. It was her location. It was her house. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and she said, "This is the kind of look I want." And she, we basically looked at In the Wind magazines, Easy Rider. In the Wind was like the. The, the little insert magazine yeah but it was like all snapshots and they were just amateur snapshots and which was the beautiful thing because they captured how many of those did she have she had a lot dude she gave me the number one and number two really yeah I have them all. they're the best oh man so we looked at those magazines and she's like this is what I want these shots and they were just kind of these crude snapshots it's like, okay, well, to get that, I've, so I was trying to think about it. It's like, okay, how how do I capture the essence of a snapshot of an amateur person with a fucking uh, disposable camera? Easier said than done. <laughs> well, so you, you distill it down. Okay, so they have a fixed lens. It's usually a 35 millimeter lens. It's wide enough to get some landscape. But not too distorted. But not too distorted to get portrait. You know what we as photographers do when we shoot a person, first thing I do is I come down and then shoot up towards him because it's more flattering. Yeah. Right? A hero. Yeah. Well, an amateur with a disposable would never do that. They would be right there with you. Right? True, you wouldn't drop the horizon. So you you would never do eye, that. Eye level. You would never yeah. You would never even think about that. Yeah. They, they, they're just right here. Yeah. Click. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move on. So, if you look at my Bandit Bandit band shots, nothing's so low. I was using my F3 with a 35mm lens. Nothing is low. Um, it's usually not the most flattering shot. And that was the essence of it. And I used film. And I didn't light it. Ah. That's as easy as it is. And don't overthink it. Yeah, don't overthink it. You just have to figure out okay, well, how what makes a snapshot a snapshot? And it's, it's exactly those ingredients. Don't, just, don't get too low, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it because you can't think like a photographer. Were you
0: shooting when you were doing that? Were you because a lot of those disposable cameras. Have a pretty infinite depth of field. Yeah. You know, because they're always trying to make your hyper focal length as sharp as possible. So, were you shooting with a big hyper focal length in those, or I was, were you trying no. to
1: slice it off? I, I was in between. Okay. I didn't want to go that far. Yeah. Because I am shooting a product. Yeah. And actually, half of the picture, you can't even see the product. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a feel. It, and she didn't care. She's brilliant in that way. She knew exactly what what she was selling. Yeah. And it was a lifestyle. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. was not specifically a t-shirt. It was like, if you want to be as cool as these kids in this shop, you better get my fucking t-shirt.
0: See, that's the thing that a client, I and I've been that's trying. They don't understand. They don't understand. No, because yeah. they have, they
1: have a product they want to sell you. Yeah. They don't understand that what you're selling. What's the, I've used this so many times. One of the most um, successful fashion shots ever for men is James Dean. Walking down Times Square with his trench coat, with the trench coat, yeah, the khakis, yeah, and whatever t-shirt he has, a white t-shirt. Yeah, on the rainy day, the the, the concrete right. shining, and we're not—they're not selling those clothes anymore. Yeah, but every guy that looked at that picture he wanted to be that wanted guy. to be that guy. Yeah. So what do you do? You get those fucking pants. You get that white t-shirt. You get that coat. Iconic. Yeah.
0: Fucking iconic. So look through that lens. I have a thirty-five.
1: Two, but that uh twenty eight is the one, dude. I shot all my architectural models with the twenty eight. Oh god, it's such it's so perfect. Yeah. And this this is what I loved about the Oh yeah, you can pop the uh is it stuck? I haven't taken it off in a while. Yeah, it's stuck. Oh, there, there it goes. Go. So I used to I remember I used to a lot of times I would sit there like this talking with people. Yeah. And they didn't even know I was just kind of like fucking around, I was just like, eh, you know? Yeah. And nothing <laughs> and they would get so mad. Is it? Is Actually, action. actually have a fold-out hood like the, like the. Oh, you do. Yeah, they make them for the. For I the didn't know that. F three. Yeah, I have one. And I rarely take, I really take the dioptic off, but it's um, it's
0: definitely fun to shoot that way. I used to have a little twin lens, roll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, that was the easiest. Yeah. Just a.
1: And they're so quiet. Yeah. This is the greatest camera ever made. Ever. I really think that. Yeah. The only thing that can go wrong with it is the electronic shutter. Yeah. And yeah. I've broken mine. Was it fixable? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's easy. They just replace it. That's why these mechanical cameras are,
0: you know, I'm really getting into those. I'm trying to find as many of them I can. No battery, no electronics,
1: gears and springs. If you want a Nikon version, yeah, get the FM. FM2. Oh. Yeah. All, all mechanical. It has a meter. So, for, if you want to use the internal meter, you, you have to be this battery. But if you run out of battery, every shutter speed works. Oh. With the F3. What's max shutter speed then? Like 500 or something? S- no, no. I think it's 2000. Oh, wow. That um, is a good case. So, with the F3, if the battery's dead, it's done. Yeah. There's there's only 60th. is uh, we can That's naturally... 60th It's probably not even calibrated. So it's like, it's good enough. I've used it in a pinch when I ran out, but
0: What I was saying is a shooting when when it comes to shooting off the bike, and you know, it's it's interesting because I've like I've really tried to analyze Shooting in a way that cap it captures how it feels. Mm. It's not just a good product shot You know, it's how does it feel to be? in that and there's some rules to, f- to doing that like it really there is an equation to doing that otherwise you're getting <clears throat> you're getting into this world of like automotive photography that doesn't feel anything like it is to drive or to ride but it really highlights the
1: you know moment I gotta pee again okay, Yeah, it's cool. like, this fucking coffee is going right through me. it's good coffee though well I had two coffees before I came here too oh you're two ahead of me I might actually have another cup
0: I'm having another cup. I'm gonna really start talking faster. <laughs> I was gonna show you this for for shooting off the bike, like this. I, and I have more handles that didn't work, but I ended up making this one because the the. Uh, oh, this, the, is this is for video stuff. This is for video. Yeah. The thing that I realized when you're. When you're shooting with, oops, with the rig, and I shoot with a much smaller lens yeah. when I do that, but this little handle with the with the curvature yeah. lets me balance in my hand where I where I need to be, and also um, having the it be flat like this, I can actually control this more with the palm of my hand and my fingers here. Yeah, and it and it, it just went a lot of trial and error to, to what's this? Yeah, is? it holds a mic. Ah, look at you. And, it, and the mic couldn't, uh, you know, basically, you you have these floppy mic yeah, yeah, holders, yeah. and that one needs to be rigid because the wind will obviously pull the microphone off. Interesting. And it hangs from a swivel, so I can move it, you know, around to both sides. Of the bike, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was—it was kind of like figuring out how to, and, and this is what I realized: is like a shot that's too smooth
1: is not real. Yeah, it doesn't have any feeling. To it, it has no life to it. Yeah, there's no life to it. That's that's when you get into automotive, like everything stabilized. It's just that's why we built that camera bike. Yeah, because that shot is so. You know, you know what's funny? When I first started thinking about the movie. Twenty one days. Yeah. It came out of had just finished shooting Six Over. And and I told Matt and Dean, I was like, you know, Six Over was fun. It was so low it was no budget. It was just me with a five D that I borrowed from a friend going to a friends' houses and shooting them. No idea what I was doing. Had no idea of what the story was gonna be. Yeah. no Nothing scripted. Nothing even thought through. I was just going to go over there and do this. Talk to them. Yeah. So anyway, so I told Matt and Dean, I was like, if, let's do this for real. Let's do a, a road trip. And they're like, eh, a lot of money. Like, who would be in it? And that became a shit show right there. It's like picking who is in the movie. Oh my God. And, oh, fuck.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, did that, did that kind of,
1: because uh, it's a small community. Oh, it, it pissed off a lot. It created some problems. Oh, it carried, created some huge problems. Really? Yeah, to this day. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say. Uh, but, yeah, it created some big problems. Some people that I thought were friends are no longer friends. Huh. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. And, uh, well, anyway, so what was I about to say? Oh, so so Matt and Dean were kind of on the fence. They didn't want to commit to it. They they also wanted to see how six over was gonna come over come across. It, yeah. And if it was gonna make us money. And so they, they kind of wanted to sit back and see. And I was like, I wanna shoot a road trip. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to Troy and I was like, dude, let's let's shoot a road trip. That's like, what's the road trip gonna be? And we're like, Oh, let's fucking ride to the Brooklyn Invitation. Yeah. And we both had FXRs at the time, and we're like, "Let's just ride the FXRs." And and then my idea was, I'm gonna make some sort of cage or some sort of attachment rig, basically make my bike into a camera bike. Yeah. And what an FXR would be great for that? Yeah. So I was gonna do what you actually did with that zero bike. Yeah. There. Yeah. 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 And I was I was talking to Dylan about it. He would be the man. Yeah, I yeah. Was like, dude, how would you do this? He could fab all that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember I was in Portland at the time, and I was talking to him, and I was like, "How, oh, how would you do this?" And you know, blah blah. So we talked about it, and then I never did it, and then it just blew up into what it became, like a full on. Like I was just gonna add, you know, put some GoPros on there, and it was just gonna be a home movie for me and for Troy. Yeah, that was it. It was never gonna be released. How did you get the the funding and everything that you did? Oh, that was an interesting one. Um, Apple saw a picture I had posted on my blog at the time Uh of Jeremiah. It was the back of him um, doing the burnout, doing a burnout in the desert. Yeah, and they uh, they wanted to buy it for ten years. Wow. Uh, exclusive rights. I can't even use it. Huh. And so we started negotiating. And I remember I was on a trip. I was actually pre-running the Lincoln Highway on the sturges. And I was somewhere in the middle of America. I don't even know where. When I got the email saying, hey, can you get on a phone call with us? We want to negotiate the, the deal. So I stopped somewhere. I forget where the hell that was and I talked to them and we talked about price and uh, we came to uh, an agreement what the price was and then uh, they just transferred the money into my bank account (laughs) I took that money and bought film cameras and and basically paid everybody to go on this trip thank you Apple holy (laughs) shit dude so that that money from Apple wow paid for the trip that's remarkable. And then the editing, I, I had to start working again, which was the problem. When you were... So, when you went out and
0: shot this thing, you were financing it, and then you didn't
1: have a storyline, necessarily. No. So, the whole idea was, I was just going to document these four guys riding across. And the rules were very, very uh, simple. They can't have help from production. Mm -hmm. If they broke down, they had to figure it out how to fix it. Like a real trip. Like a real trip. Yeah. So I told them, treat it as if you were riding across the country without me there with a van. And if you broke down, what would you do? Because that's where it gets interesting. That's what people want to see. Because at the time, not everybody was riding an old bike across country. You know, they were doing it with FXRs. Yeah. Maybe shovel heads. But definitely not with pan heads and knuckleheads and iron heads. Yeah. And then um so yeah, so that was the rule. It's like the production vehicle is not here to carry parts for you. It's not here to carry extra gas for you. Or tow you. Or tow you or do anything. We're just here to document you. And that was it. That was the rule. So hmm. when they broke down they had to figure it out. That was the first of seeing that world for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. And then, in case nothing happened, that's where the secondary story was going to fuel. Oh, so that was like a backup. That was just in case it's boring as fuck and nothing happens. At least we're going to Fugle and we're going to get some interesting storage. It can be boring
0: as fuck. If you don't yeah. have the breakdowns, this shit is boring as fuck. Yeah. Which is why I don't ride modern
1: bikes. Yeah. And so, actually, for a long time, the the name of the the title of the movie was Going to Fugle. For me, that was the title. It still is to this day. It's like Going to Fugle. That was the the whole reason. And, uh, but um, the powers that be did not like that. Dude,
0: what an amazing arc for that man to have experience, though, to have... These kids yeah. come back after the culture that he lived and breathed and cultivated. And invented. Invented. Uh, had I mean, died along with the others.
1: Yeah. yeah, but in the Midwest it was him, dude. It was yes, no, I mean arguably he but he was one of the he, he's he is one of the founding fathers of that whole thing. Yeah. And
0: you know, David Mann is another one of those guys I who mean, was, he was with them. Yeah. They were best friends. Yeah. Did you ever
1: see the letters? <laughs> yes. That, that, David Mann wrote him but there's no sketches in there it's, it's so it's like, special hey, how would you do this uh, letters clutch? handwritten letters <laughs> and the little sketch of the fucking engine with the clutch lever can you fucking imagine
0: that being the way that you were learning fucking great it's fucking it's amazing a, it's, a, it's amazing it's incredible but um, no I don't think people know the story behind 21 days and, and I don't think we got when we were talking about my book and 21 days happening at the same time, I don't think we, we got any of that because the uh, the mic just wasn't picking <laughs> picking up. Good. But uh, yeah, I'm sure you're happy about that. <laughs> but people don't know, first of all, how it started. They don't know that was like the next step going from the, the stills photography that you had been doing around California. That was spreading because of your blog. What was your blog called? can't remember. Um, Neither can you. I can't. It's still out there. Is it?
1: Yeah. I never took it down.
0: Well, anyway, it was was interesting from the Northwest to see that progression happen. And by the time you were shooting motion, I was was still doing stills, you know, the book was... But it was all going in the same direction. Yeah. At that time. I think it's a natural progression for any photographer yeah yeah if you're, if you're a storytelling photographer storytelling photographer and, and that's it that's the problem we're running into I don't think a lot of people are concerning themselves or trying to tell a story with an image anymore.
1: I don't yeah I don't know I don't really look at anybody's work anymore I don't look at anything out there. There's some good shit Is there? there's there's some good shit and there's some people who are really passionate about
0: it and, I'm and sure and then, you know they always will be yeah hopefully and you can tell. Who's, who's who and doing what. And, you know, it, it's sad to see publishing die. Yeah. Because, in, say, the arc that you're talking about, when you start with stills and you go to video, publishing is dying. Mm. And to get your work published and printed in permanence, I, I mean, look at this. We, how many times have we, have we talked about Danny Lyon? Yes.
1: You know, and how special is it? That this shit exists. I mean, there's there's no there's no substitute to opening a fucking hard copy. But that's going away. It's It breaks my fucking heart.
0: That's that's signed, by the way. I saw that. Nick, my wife, when my book came out, she located Danny Lyon, wrote him a letter, or no, wrote him an email. She found his email address and said, "Hey, you were a big inspiration on my husband." your work in in particular the bike riders he's coming out with a book can I send it to you and get an autographed copy of the bike riders and she did that for me and that's that's how I got that in there.
1: but the point is if this goes you know they're making a movie based on the bike riders right? yeah I worked on it did you worked on it yeah I was in it you are in it yeah oh,
0: you fuck I only have I have a very small little scene how did in you it. get in it well they bought a bunch of my denim for the cast. And the, the uh, production designer there, well, I, it had nothing to do with motorcycles. It's really funny. But the production designer uh, had a lot of question about you know, the old Bucco stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and the deck jackets and the fashion from that. And I, I was really helping her out sending her a lot of photo references and, and decade references. And she, at some point she just kind of called me and was like, why aren't you in this movie? Like, I don't know. I don't really like I never I don't have an agent. I don't operate in that world. She's like, Well you, you do acting. I'm like, Yeah, but that's only when it's like part of the job. I usually work behind the camera. Yeah. And she's like, I'm telling the director about you. So that's it. Yeah. There it is. So after they had bought a bunch of denim and we had gone back and forth, she put me in contact with him and he was like, Well, why don't we bring you out for a scene? Not only did I get to do that, but I also I made a sound package for cinema of of antique Harley's Thanks. with with my buddy Randy, and we we did all the decades up into shovelheads. I could we, have used you. You could have if for twenty one days. You could have because that that, that is a hard problem to solve. Yeah, and that's why I made that sound package with Randy because I needed it. And coincidentally, the first two movies to license it were Oppenheimer.
1: And the bike riders. Wow. <laughs> See this picture? Yeah. When Dugan was still at the Chun. It was the original Chun. Yeah. Basically. It yeah. was whoever was in the bottom. It was uh, uh, Snake, Snake and Ryan and Davey. And, yeah, Ryan, Davey, and. Eddie? No. I uh, can't remember the name. Huh. Anyway. But that is, you're right, there's an upstairs and a downstairs. I wanted to um, write on the side of the building, chum territory <laughs> and kind of recreate this picture. Yeah. And I talked to Dugan about it. And he was all for it and we just never got to it. That would have been the place to do it. Yeah. With the upward stairway. Time. Yeah. And at that time, because yeah. it was it was still our small little group. And uh, I'm I'm kinda sad I I didn't do it. Yeah, I wish you would have. Yeah, Chun territory. Yeah. The, ch- the Chun is still there. I know. It still limps on.
0: Weird. So when um, when Scott and I, um, in, I think it was in October, we shot a little sequence for our movie, Traveling from here in the desert back to Kansas. And we went through New Mexico. Danny Lyon had dropped Scott a line hey if you're ever in New Mexico this is my address come stop by and see me so we finished really close to his house and Scott and I were like dude should we just stop yeah. by so we fucking did yeah. and we we uh, and he said he's like I built it as a out of I built it out of adobe with an old Mexican I smuggled in from Mexico back in the you know in the decade And I was like, oh, this is gonna be awesome So we found it we found the address and there's like a gate and we're like do we just walk in? so we walk past it and and there's a really long driveway and we're uh, We're kind of we're really scared because you know He has kind of a bit of a reputation and I and we're in New Mexico. and like we just a chance we're trespassing to get shot by the guy we like, really. I <laughs> what a great story. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we're walking down this really long driveway, and there's a guy at the end of the driveway, kind of walking towards us. I'm like,
1: is this fucking Danny Lyon?
0: Like, are we gonna get? You know, it was his friend. He wasn't there, uh. but his friend was watching the house. And we come up, he's like, hey, can I help you? And I go, yeah, we're trying to get in contact with D- Danny. It's like I worked on the bike riders with. He gave us his address if we were ever around. He's like, oh, man, you just missed him. He's, he just left. And- <laughs> that's the guy you need to do a podcast with, not me. I know. No, no, no. I need to get... I need To, <laughs> to me, that's- it's more important to get the friends who influenced me recorded. Danny's been recorded. Yeah, you know what not I mean?
1: by you. Not by me. But that's, that's the guy you need to get before it's too late. I know. I know. Because those are the guys that are, you can't find anymore. It's true. Yeah. And that was the original it was the original but when I think my my
0: real sense of urgency comes from my experience first of all with my parents
1: yeah
0: and second of all with Troy yeah but you got Troy yeah. dude I pop 21 days on Disguise every now and then and just watch Troy talk like read his book oh, and, and, and I'm just like fuck dude
1: you need to you need to talk to Rocco he has, he has hours hours well you know Rocco Troy does talking. all the music for my show yeah, yeah I talked to I talked to Rocco more than I talked to Amy. he. He has, I listened to it, uh, a lot of it. There's hours. That's awesome. So they're, they're just talking about that's, everything. That's fucking great, too. Oh yeah, it's, it's and it's such good quality.
0: do You know how meaningful that is. Yeah. Not just that he's gone, but that like he, somebody got him speaking his mind. Oh yeah. Oh, it was so it's so good, and i laugh. Dude, maybe there's a maybe yeah that left, that that left. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's all <laughs> right. Oh fuck dude. I maybe there's a way I can make a podcast with Troy then. Yeah, you can. And it would be Rocco and Troy talking.
1: You can you can, yeah. Dude, I'm going to fucking do that, Michael. Yeah. it's oh, a good idea. Yeah. I don't know what Rockwell was playing with it. I know he planned something with it. I don't know what... His Maybe I'll just help him do whatever he had in mind. I would just say talk to him and see what he has in mind. I'm going to fucking do that. That's Because a- I know he's been talking about doing something with it, but I just... I can't remember what it was. Going back to 21 days, when you were shooting that, did you
0: feel like you really had something? Or were you like, dude, I don't know if I have anything? <laughs> because when we talked on the phone...
1: When we were supposed to meet up, you were shitting your pants. There was good stuff. You knew you had some good stuff. Yeah, the, I, I knew there were some. There were some nuggets in there that were very special. Um, my biggest problem was how to end, it. and it's still to this end, to this to this day, that the end of the movie kind of is cringy. It's kind of like, ugh, I wish I hadn't done it. It's really hard to tie something off like that. Yeah, it's it was impossible. I, I didn't have the footage. I didn't have a real story. I didn't have yeah. you know. It's like how the fuck do I tie it off? Yeah, it's like,
0: yeah. I always worry about that with every episode. It's it's so bad. It's so bad. It, it bugs the shit out of me. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I mean, I understand being a creator of this that it would be. Now I pointed it out. If you ever watch it again, you'll you'll see it. Well, to me, the whole thing. The beautiful kind of, uh, especially that now that he's gone. I mean, him and Troy are both gone. But hearing. There's five people out there that are in the movie.
1: What? What, really? Yeah. Um, Matt Davis. Matt Davis. Troy. Troy. Tom. uh, Moose. Oh, yeah. And uh, the tattoo artist, who you don't see, but she tattooed. We lost the footage. Oh, shit. It was in San Francisco. It was the beginning of the movie. It's where everybody meets. Yeah. I lost that footage, dude. So it, I freaked out because we, I thought I had the footage to start the movie with. Oh, it was, They were man. all meeting in San Francisco at a tattoo parlor. Gentry was inside getting a tattoo. So you had to cut around the fact that you lost all that? Yeah. Well, you don't realize that. I mean, when we were done and back in L.A., yeah. I sat down and I had it sort of storyboarded in my mind. And it starts there. So you had to come up with a whole and other. I'm like, oh my God, I don't entry. have the footage. Where the fuck is that footage? What happened? I don't know. It got erased. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So it started with Gentry's in a tattoo parlor getting a tattoo on his chest uh, that commemorates the trip across. And the girl, Hannah, that was tattooing him, she died of cancer. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And all that, man, God.
0: I get it. That would really scare me then because you don't, you don't, you gotta backpedal.
1: You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> that was, they were meeting there. They were actually physically all meeting for the first time in one spot. And you didn't realize
0: that until you got all the way back that yeah. you didn't have like the co- the connective tissue.
1: Oh, there were so many things that went wrong. Like, um, we were five days behind immediately. Yeah. Because you were a week behind by the time we talked yeah because Josh's bike got lost in shipping oh Jesus Christ yeah we couldn't find his bike yeah that's a problem it was um, it was somewhere near San Francisco but we didn't know it it took five days to find it so
0: that's probably the majority of why so Ethan and I were
1: waiting Oh yeah, yeah. In it's Kansas. Like, immediately you were set behind. And then what happened was I, I said at one point, it's like, I have to start shooting. I yeah, can't. because you've got to make it to the invitation. I gotta make it to the invitation. Right. Um, and I was running out of money. I was right. paying for everybody's food and lodging and, and right. gas and you know, it's like shit, I'm spending money for five days for all these people and we're sitting here, not shooting. Oh my god. Yeah, so I immediately freaked out. So that's when I came up with the idea. is like, okay, we're going to meet up with Josh later on. He's going to meet them somewhere. And that's where in the desert. Yeah, he in, pulls into pulls the in. group. That's where he meets the group because we, we had to start shooting. Right. And. Um, oh, my God. So yeah. on the fly, I had to make up, okay, how do I cut around this? Yeah. And then, uh, But the main thing was I sat down with, so Kate, the girl that wrote the narration yeah she was critical to tell the story because i couldn't count on those guys to give me sound clips that were usable right yeah number one i didn't really have a sound person and you weren't doing interviews no yeah it wasn't supposed to feel like interviews right that was actually the the interviews in the beginning that was an afterthought like like, because we needed you needed something we needed something yeah and that was with fox yeah. After he, they had signed on. Yeah. like that, that. The interview with Josh, if you watch it now, that was three years later. Right. Right? But you needed that tiny little clip of ego. So, he but, looked different. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He looked... Everybody looked different. Yeah. You don't really notice, though. You don't notice as much. No. But here's the funny thing, because it's supposed to be him leaving to meet everybody, yeah. right? Which is summer. Yeah. It was in the middle of winter in Chicago. Oh, Jesus Christ. So it was freezing cold outside. He wasn't wearing a helmet. He was wearing his his uh, heated gear. But if you look at his face, he is frozen. Oh, my God, I'll bet. It started snowing right after I turned off the camera. Yeah. It started snowing. I can't use that. <laughs> yeah. It was... Freezing cold. Oh my God, It was in the thirties, I think. When you when we shot that. It was so cool. Fucking gnarly. Yeah. Dude, that scene
0: the scene I did in, with the bike riders. It's it's around this I don't know how much I can actually talk about it because that movie is now they canceled know, on the release date. So anyway, it was Cleveland in November, I think. And Oh. and uh it's at night it's a night shoot we're around this burn barrel thank god and and the scene you know it took all night to shoot we're shooting 35 millimeter film like two panavision cameras moving around mm. but uh you were shot on film yes dude Dan, or um jeff nichols my favorite director and I will say this, no matter what about the movie, and I'm nervous because this book means a lot to me, but if I could pick one director to do and handle this, the content of this book, it would be Jeff Nichols. Huh. And after working with him, he lives up to every every bit of credibility I ever imagined he should have. Interesting. I don't even know what, he's, what has he done. He did, like, mud. He did, um, oh. and that movie by itself, when you think about, when you think about, telling the story of men in mm-hmm. the arc of a man's life, he did such a poetic job of explaining all the facets of that in that one film. Mm. And um, and at this that same sensitivity would be required in doing this book.
1: Yeah.
0: And when I read the script, I was astonished that you could connect such a nebulous of conversations and of characters and mold it into a very special story. And when 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 we when we were shooting this scene, we had a lot of downtime and we were hanging out in this little farmhouse. And I got to talk just like this. we you know, I got to I asked him directly, I was like, hey man, I I know you're not like a bike guy. And I'm so curious what You know led you to pick this story because this book is very special to a lot of people And his response was so great That I immediately knew it was in good hands Mm. and he said when I was Young in the early 90s or mid 90s in Little Rock, Arkansas in the Midwest I was a part of this very special group of punk rock scenes happening and growing and we were facilitating this community and I had to watch that over a course of the next years and sequence of events get blown out and it was the popularity of something that destroyed it Mm. and I've always wanted to tell a story of that happening
1: Yeah.
0: and I go fuck dude you are fucking nailing it what happened then and what's happening again same thing he had, and I don't even think he has any idea that it's happening no, of again. Not. How could he? But he's just telling it the way that he saw. It. And he goes, "I recognized a lot of the punk rock ethos it's in the, the biker yeah. community. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. They were sewing on their patches, same fucking thing, same thing. Yeah. And I go, dude, you're you're in it for the right reasons. You're gonna do a great job with this movie. And I don't know if they'll get everything right, like right. the yeah. bikes right and But the thing is. It's a fictionalized version. I don't think people realize that. Like, it's not the bike riders, of course not. But it it just borrows the imagery. That's right. And it tells the story. The the names are the same. Mm -hmm. The characters, and they take line for line a lot of it from the book, which I really. It's a very hard thing to do.
1: Oh, that that's I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But yeah, so that was that was a big thing for me too. That so when Kate. Kate was a friend, and she's an amazing poet, an amazing writer. She's super young still. Yeah. And when I approached her to, to come along on the trip and write about what it's like to because so so I needed to have a fallback on somebody telling a story. Oh like. a voice. Yeah, totally. I needed a voice. Yeah. Because I I had nothing scripted for those guys and I couldn't I couldn't imagine scripting anything for them. No. It'd be so forced. It'd be too contrived. Yeah, it would be terrible. Yeah. So I had to somehow tell a story. Well and I wanted to do it in a poetic way. So she was perfect for it. But I told her, I was like, look, if she wanted to do it. And it was like, If you if you really want to do this, you have to actually ride a bike across the country. Yeah. Because you have to experience so you can talk about it. Um, because I'm not going to tell you what it feels like. You need to know that for yourself. Oh, for sure. So I got Harley to give us a sports lead that she rode. And she rode probably 80% of the trip by herself. But having been her first experience on a motorcycle? She had a little vintage Honda 250 or something. So she knew how to ride. And she used... knew how to shift gears. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Dude, talk about baptism by fire. Yeah. This this bike was heavy. She's a small woman. Yeah. And uh, and I told her, it's like, look, uh, you can't be in any of the shots. So either you're in front of us or you're behind us. and uh, But you're on your own. And there's certain things... I need you to pay attention to. It's like, when we go through Wyoming, this is a very important part. It's going to be cold. It might rain. Windy. And it's windy as fuck. Always. And it's one of the scariest things in the world. It's on a bike, in the cold, in the rain, and side wind. That's yeah. insane. And it pushes you around and it scares the fuck you. And so she went through all of that stuff. And we sat down every evening after shooting when you know when it got dark and I stopped shooting, I sat down with her for hours and we went through her notes. Wow. What happened? How would you explain it? How would you talk about it? And then she came up with those sentences that like, oh my god, it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wish she would have narrated it. We talked about
0: it. Um it's hard to have a woman's voice in It, it, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked, but she would have known. Yeah. yeah. Had the, she would have known
1: everything about the delivery, having written it. Yeah, so the narration was actually—I don't know. I should. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. Now. So I was hanging out at the time with Jason Lee uh, a lot, mm-hmm. who's who's a motorcycle enthusiast and photographer, and photographer, and we were hanging out almost every day riding dirt bikes. And I told him about, this, about the, the movie I had shot. And at this point, Foxhead was not in the picture. And, uh, and I was like, dude, I would love it if you would narrate the movie for me. Because I figured, okay, that's a big name, big Hollywood name. Yeah, people will. I, I'll get it out somehow. Yeah. Because I had no way of getting it out besides Dice. Yeah. And I wanted something better for it. Um, so he was super stoked up and he would have done it for free and then when uh, I ran out of money and I ran out of steam and then Fox picked it up the distribution rights I remember we had that conversation in their office and it was like well who's going to narrate it and I said well Jason Lee is going to narrate it because that's the deal with me. and for some reason they said no I don't know what they're reasoning about interesting but they said, no. And then I was like, well, but I... For the last couple of years, I've been talking to Jason about this. He's ready to do this, and he doesn't even want money. And for some reason, they were against it. Hmm. To this day, I don't know why. But... Um, they had to get their dirty little creative hands on it. I think it had to do with contracts and who works with Fox and oh, you know, oh, yeah. whatever. I'm sure there's some bureaucratic political thing going on in the background it was nothing against jason yeah it was just they actually started pitching people that were on the lot at the time it's like oh how about this guy it's like no who the fuck is that guy yeah and does he know bikes yeah it's like does he ride it's like if he if the person doesn't ride it's it's a no-go no-go i don't care who it is yeah and then they were talking about you mcgregor i was like look i i I would love for you to to do something, but it needs to be an American. This is an American story. Yeah. It, it can't be a Scottish guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then then they talked about Brad Pitt, and it's like, come on. Yeah, let's That's not it realistic. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then and then um, um, what's his name came up? T one thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. Yes. And. Uh, and uh, I remember Stephen and I looked at his Instagram, and I didn't know it, but he was a boost fighter. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, he's yeah. a boost fighter. Well, fuck yeah, he's the he's the guy then. Yeah. So then the next thing was, will he do it? Because I think the budget was insane. It was like it was almost an insult. Yeah. I forget. It's like a thousand dollars.
0: he's a bike guy
1: yeah and I was like dude you're insulting him with that fucking feet yeah and I was like no this you can't you can't bro
0: he didn't get to say
1: anything in Terminator right you know like so anyways they Steven texted him through Instagram yeah and then we sent him the script or then the narration yeah and we sent him a couple of clips Dude, within 24 hours, he replied, and he was beside himself. I'll bet. He was like, holy shit. Where do I sign up? That's awesome. Then it comes out that he's actually done this trip. He's ridden the Lincoln Highway. Oh, okay. The he knows So the he knows road. it. He knows the trip. Yeah. He's actually ridden it. That makes a lot of sense. So then he came in, and he, the nicest guy. I love it. Yeah, the nicest guy. We we're in the fucking uh, on, the, on the, at the soundstage recording the voiceover, and this is kind of funny. So Stephen and I, in the in the booth, are in the um, the con- console, the, yeah, in the, recording in the in the in the console room. Yeah, and so there's a piece of glass in between us, and there's you know the, you can have a, a microphone you can turn on and off to talk, and he's on the stage, you know, and he's. He's, like, reading from the script. And so we, st- we start. It's like, okay, here we go. And he comes up with this really over-the-top announcer-type voice. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <It's just> <laughs> 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 I looked at Steven and I'm like and he had the same reaction, we we're like, Oh shit. What do we do? Yeah. It's like how do you even I don't know how to talk to him. He's a fucking superstar. Yeah. It's like, who the fuck am I? I'm some fucking dirty biker. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god and like to Steven, like make sure the microphone's off. I was like, dude, what do I tell him? I was like, I don't know. You tell him what you want. What do you need from him? And and we're like discussing back and forth and while he's still recording. Yeah. And then he stops, and he goes, "Hey guys, what was that? How's that?" Yeah, and we're like, um, "Great!" No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, um, and he goes, "A little too much?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, a little too much." And he goes, "Got it." <laughs> and then I, and then the only thing, and I'm like, "Oh my god, thank God!" And then the only thing I told him is like, "Here's how I want you to deliver it: is imagine you're sitting on the porch with a bunch of old buddies." You're now a grandfather, and you're telling the story of when you rode across the country. That's it. That's great direction, and that—that's what he did. It's too bad he didn't go.
0: Ah. I was just fucking with you guys.
1: <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe he was. He might have been. <laughs> he might have been because it was so over the top. But he was amazing. Hold on one second. Hold that thought. j up. How you doing, brother?
0: Good man. How you doing?
1: Good. Um.
0: Just want to see if you. were gonna head over that way. Just um, want to see if you can help me with the
1: gas situation on the, the car. I I have I have some gas here I can put in it. Yeah, and how much do you need in there? Uh, I just want to go take my mom up to the up that thing. Oh, up right. Burns. So, yeah, do you
0: want to go right up there? um i'm probably gonna skip it i'm i'm do, gonna be doing a little bit of a podcast with Michael Schmidt over here um but i i'll put the gas that i have in it and see how much you got okay you can put the gas in there for me. yeah i'll put i'll put the gas that I have in there and see how much you got okay All right. how about that well cool. i'll see you. i'll see you soon okay Sounds good. Oh my god, I'm going to piss my pants too, dude. I'm going outside.
1: Dude, it's fucking chilly out there. Yeah. That's the very
0: first one we made. It's a good looking shirt. I wore the fuck out of this thing. Yeah, as you should. Yeah, and I'm really proud that it didn't blow out in the elbows. This is a five-and-a-half-ounce linen. It was really hard to find a linen that would hold snap buttons
1: because they all pull out, yeah. you know, because linen's, linen's too loose. It's a pretty big weave. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's durable. It's still really durable.
0: This, of course, happens from wind, you know, I, I wrote. But, I mean,
1: that gives it the character. Yeah, but any shirt, does, all of them do that. It's like cool. the military shirts, they yeah, all fucking all do it in the same place. And they also, they always break kids too. these. Yeah. These things here. Yeah. yeah, I'm really happy that this didn't, didn't, and even the collar is still holding it together because it also starts to rip, yeah. you know, and where it, pff, it flaps.
0: Cool stuff, man. Thanks, dude. Okay. Um, We got to find you some pants. Let's,
1: let's do that. Actually. Yeah, because I still got to head out.
0: Yeah, let's, let's, I'm going to leave this because it'd be fun. To, before you leave to do this some more. I hope you're having fun.
1: Because I'm having fun. You know, fun. it's good that we're talking. It, that, that's this, the fun. This is all that I'm meaning to do. And but. whether
0: anything happens with this or not, I want it. Just like Troy, just like Rocco has Troy. Jeez, I'm going to sign this for you right now. Yeah, actually, I'm giving you a brand new one, Michael. This is all that remains. Ah, you don't have to.
1: That was fine. Nope. I'm doing it. Give me a brand. You have to tell me also how do I get to Johnson's. I mean I could point it to you right okay. now. Oh, where's my little pen? There it is. No, it's fun. To, uh, reminiscing is fun, especially because not a lot of people know this whole story. That's what I'm saying, and I, and I don't. Yeah, no, there's not a lot. There's there's a handful of people that know. And I don't know
0: I think there's a lot of... Uh, I love the overlap because these two projects
1: happened... No, same time. It's the same trip. It's crazy. I never even thought about it that way either. It's the same trip. Not that you bring it up, but it, like... Yeah, of course it is.
0: The only difference is that like this this had a round trip in the fact that like I came all the way back and ended up staying in California basically. Yeah. But
1: Ethan Ethan's story is like that's the that's one. That's the real story. Yeah. I mean that's the, the dream. Is Magda has a place out here, right? Yeah. It's not far from here. Do you, do you hang out with her at all? Yeah, but I, I
0: don't see her very often, unfortunately, because she's kind of in and out. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But um when she's around and, and has some time to hang out, we, we always find some time. Huh.
1: Yeah, I'd love to catch up with her. We used to I probably haven't seen her in a year. I haven't seen her. Maybe maybe longer. I haven't seen her in a very long time. So. Yeah. Um But I remember like when I first started shooting for Harley, she would come up to the first like, mm-hmm. She would come up to me and I was like, dude. How do you figure out what to charge them? I like, oh, fuck, I don't know. I just make it up. <laughs> Say a number. <laughs> it's like, and and I said, I told her actually, it's like with Harley, it's actually kind of easy because they do so many shoots. So they have set rates. So they will tell you what they will pay you. Oh, yeah. <coughs> and uh, so that's an easy one. Um, Where it gets difficult is like... That's the hardest part. It's... Well, because nobody tells you. And it's also hard. You know, when I asked for money from from Apple for that photograph... Yeah. ...that funded the movie, (laughs) I tried to figure out, like, what do I charge? Yeah. I have no fucking clue. There's no reference for licensing a photo. You don't even know what they're going to use it for. They probably didn't even tell you. They didn't tell me, and they didn't know either. They just knew they wanted it. Interesting. For something. Uh, They said it could be a billboard. It could be a thumbnail. It could be nothing. It could be... But they have exclusive rights for 10 years. I have to take it off my website. I cannot use the image for anything. Nothing. It's not mine for 10 years. So it had to be expensive. Yeah, for sure. Of course.
0: What if, what if Macintosh or uh, like IBM wants the same
1: thing? So I called agencies and agents, uh, photo reps. And I was like, what would you charge? Nobody, dude, nobody knows. These guys that do the negotiating for a living had no clue. Did you have an agent at the time? No. I called every photographer I knew at the time and asked him, Hey, can I talk to your agent about this? I think I called Frank Aukenfels. He's like, Can I talk to your agent about this? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, here's the number. And I called four different agents, I think, and I got numbers between $5,000 to $150,000. So that told me right there, these fucks don't know They're shit no, either. No fucking clue. They have no fucking idea, just as much as me. Yeah. So then what I did was I sat down, and was like, okay, if I was a photographer that sold prints, part of my income is from prints, I would sell a print for, let's say, $2,000, right? So if that image is now taken off the market for 10 years, If I was able to sell it, I don't know, on an average, 10 times a year? For $2,000? For $2,000 a year, for 10 years. It was something like that. That's an ethical way to do it. Yeah, so that's what I came up with. And that that was my, if they asked me, like, (coughs) how do you come up with that number? He's like, well, because you're taking that revenue away from me. Yeah. So I need to be compensated for that potential revenue. Yeah. So that's how I came up with the number. And they said, oh, that's like twice as much as we're offering anybody else. So I was like, well, that's my number. And I knew I had them because I talked to I talked to them about who were the other, what were the other images? The other images were product shots. I was the only person that had a lifestyle shot with that person.
0: Yeah. And, and if you're going to go out and duplicate that, you got to spend a
1: shit ton of money. Yeah. So I knew I had... I had a unique photo that they couldn't just go oh, well let's go to the number two photo it's just as good yeah they had nothing else like it dude this is good information to get. <laughs> this is the shit you don't learn at art school they don't Nobody teach you it. yeah so I right there I was like okay so I have nothing to lose I don't have the money I never even dreamed of having that kind of money and uh, so I'm just gonna ask for it fuck yeah. it fuck it, it. fuck it they have way more money than what I'm asking for. I mean, wh- what I'm asking for is nothing for them. It was it was 80 grand. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I said, well, that's that's what it costs. Sorry. Take it or leave it. Dude, that's
0: actually, <laughs> it's really good to hear, like, how you calculated that. And it's, it's, not, it's not pulling
1: from nothing. It's no, like, it, there has to be a reason, because you have to back it up somehow. Yeah, because they're going to ask, how would you arrive they, at Even that? if they don't ask, for my own yeah sanity you have to you know like what how do you get to a number it's like okay that's how you get to a number it's like if you if you didn't make it exclusive I could make this revenue yeah yeah that makes a lot of fucking sense
0: so I hope you enjoyed that I wish we would have had more time but I'm grateful for what we did have Coincidentally, sometimes you just can't schedule the overlaps in life. And I feel very lucky every time I get a little overlap with Michael. And if you take nothing else away from that conversation, I think it should be that you just can't put a guy like Michael Schmidt in a box. And people like that just fascinate me. And in fact, that night, I had a dream that I kind of hold Michael responsible for. And most dreams I forget immediately. As soon as my eyes open or if my feet hit the floor, it's gone. But this one stuck with me. And in another life, I was a writer, so sometimes I feel compelled to write something down if it has some meaning. And I did. Plus, this thing started unlike any other dream I've ever had because I was, in fact dreaming that I was asleep does that make sense fast asleep and when I woke up I found myself in what appeared to be an arena the closest thing I could describe would be something like the Coliseum but not as old it had high curved walls with closed gates encircling me on all sides. And in the middle of the arena was a cage with a door flung open. It took me a minute to kind of get situated. And when I did, I heard something behind me. And so I turned to see a huge leopard, standing, pacing slowly, looking right at me, our eyes locked as its huge paws left a line of silent prints back and forth in the loose dirt. I didn't know why I was there, so I just observed the huge cat. Then all of a sudden, the gates on all sides of the walls of the arena flung open and people climbed out with clubs and sticks and descended on the leopard. They were trying to drive it into the cage, but it ran and fought in all directions. But people kept coming, Some of them even impersonated the cat, wearing skins of dead leopards in hopes of tricking it into submission. But the leopard could see right through their costumes and steered wide and clear of their deceit, as if he knew these were the worst of his foe, cultural predators with no spots of their own. I watched him navigate gracefully around these tricksters. I felt great pity for the leopard as I watched it defend 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 every attack then all of a sudden our eyes locked again and it sprang towards me full speed fangs first i froze but in the same split second the creature shrank itself transforming into a small lizard and landed at my feet now to everyone else it appeared as though the great cat had vanished into thin air after all they were all looking for a leopard So they became frantic and started hunting everywhere outside the walls of the arena. But still, I stood there with the creature at my feet. And when no one was watching, I slowly reached down my hand, and the lizard climbed into my open palm. I then stood and walked freely out the open gates of the arena and through the dark tunnels, past the frantic men with their sticks and clubs and leopard suits, and into the open daylit streets. The lizard climbed up my arm and onto my shoulder as we walked still further, till we passed the city gates where it transformed itself again, this time into a raven. It fluffed its feathers, looked at me with a curious smile, and spoke as it flew towards the sun. You must be all these things, it said, or they'll put you in a cage. It was quite a dream. It got me thinking a lot about good old Michael Schmidt, the leopard, the lizard, the raven. He spent a lot of things. Thank you, Michael. I'll see you down the road. Merry Christmas, everyone.